Publisher Podcast, episode 113. Welcome back to another episode of the Publisher Podcast. Today we're getting into a great episode with Leslie Rasmussen speaking on a plethora of topics, including the writing journey, her journey, how she went from different topics to another, transitioning from writing for TV shows like the Sweet Valley High TV show, for those of you who grew up in that era, um, to writing her own books, the challenges and the processes that she has with her own writing. We talk about different themes. We talk about advice for aspiring novelists and navigating the publishing world. So we really covered a wide spectrum. It was a great conversation with so many good tidbits of information um, for the for the novelist. But before we get into the episode, I want to make sure that everyone is well aware that tickets are on early bird pricing for the Women in Publishing Summit. This virtual event will run live March 6th through 9th, but guess what? We have already started pre-conference bonus workshops. So if you get your ticket now, you get invited to these extra workshops that will be sprinkled out through December, January, February, March, even into April. We've got a few extra ones. Plus, we are networking every month. These networking sessions are gold, especially if you are looking to find the people to connect with that you need either with help in your writing, publishing, selling journey, or just other authors that you want to collaborate with or just having a group of people that you can commiserate with and share ideas and get feedback and all of those things. So head on over to womeninpublishingsummit.com. Make sure you grab your ticket. We're on early bird pricing. Get it now. Start joining us. Start working towards all the things in uh, in preparing you for the conference and just helping you in the journey in general. And be sure to check out our sponsors. We have amazing lineup from uh, offers from our sponsors. We have an amazing lineup of webinars, free webinars every month over on, on our events page that you can attend as well. And, you know, just to highlight a few, we have 40% off the the uh, license for pro writing aid. We have a two-week free trial of PubSite. If you're looking to DIY your website, definitely go get your free trial at womeninpublishingsummit.com forward slash PubSite. Play around with it. See how easy it is to set up your, your own website very quickly without having to pay thousands of dollars to having a site designed that is built for authors to make sure that you have all the things to sell your books, market your book, talk about your book, all of those types of things. We have so many other great sponsors. Um, First Editing, Publish is back. Um, Your book is your hook, Lulu. Um, Oh my gosh, I should have pulled up the list so that I wouldn't leave anybody out. Uh, Abundantly Social, Um, So many just wonderful sponsors, Children's Book Mastery, to help you in all the things that you are doing in your writing, publishing, selling journey. So head on over to the website, take a look around, see what you can get uh, discounts on, free stuff, and definitely get a ticket to the website. All right, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Publish Her Podcast, a place where you can come to get inspiration, motivation, help, encouragement, and support in your journey to write, publish, and sell your book. Hosted by Alexa Bigwarf. Cause I've been where you've been, and I felt what you're feeling, and I don't want to get in your way. Welcome back to the Publish Her Podcast. I'm Alexa Bigworth, your host, and today we have an award-winning 
novelist, Leslie A. Rasmussen. Uh, she has written the book and she's got more coming out, I believe. We'll get into all of that in a minute, but her book after Happily Ever After. She was born and raised in Los Angeles and graduated from UCLA, went on to write for television comedies. Okay, now hold on, y'all. This bio is going to blow your mind. She went on to write for television comedies for Gerald McRaney, Burt Reynolds, Roseanne Barr, Norm MacDonald, Drew Carey, as well as the Wild Thornberries and Sweet Valley High. So if there's not laughter in this podcast, um, there's something wrong. <laughs> After leaving the business to raise her boys, she attained a master's degree in nutrition of all things and ran her own business for 10 years. Recently, she's written over 20 essays for the Huffington Post, Maria Shriver, and spoken on panels discussing empowering women in midlife. Leslie is a member of the Writers Guild of America, as well as Women in Film and the Women's Fiction Writers Association. In her free time, she loves to read, exercise, and hang out with friends. Thank you, Leslie, for being here. Oh. What a bio. Thank How did you. you wind up a romance? Not or is well, it a is it it's, it's not, not a romance. romance? And it's funny because sometimes people say, Oh, from the cover, is it romance? I'm like, no, the only romance in it really, there's tiny pieces, but it's mostly that she is sort of falling in love with herself. So I love that romance. She's on a you know journey to find herself and she's learning how to find her voice and fall in love with herself. Well, how did you go from, I mean, I guess it's not that really big of a leap, this kind of a silly question. Ask if you're a writer, you're a writer, we love to write. So it, is that what happened? You were writing and just then decided I'm going to write a novel? Well, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, you know, I had done television and I stopped to raise my kids, but I loved writing. I loved the dialogue, like more than anything. I just mm -hmm. love writing dialogue. And so after my second child was about two, I stopped because the business changed and it was harder to get freelance scripts. And I didn't want to do those hours because they were like, you know, passing the night, one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning. And so that's what you said. I went back for a master's and I got a master's in nutrition because I was sort of like, well, what else can I do? What else do I enjoy? <laughs> And I really did enjoy nutrition. I like eating healthy. I liked helping people at the time. <laughs> I will say after 10 years of it, I was like, okay, I'm done with people. I want to go be in a room by myself because, you know, people don't love to go on diets. <laughs> and I can't I imagine why. I can't imagine either. <laughs> and I called it a lifestyle because it was, but you know, you get people going, I just rode the sugar train all week long. And how come your plan's not working? <laughs> like, uh, well, you know, <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm kind of done. But during the last like three years, I started writing personal essays and using humor in these essays that were on Huffington Post. Like you said, a lot of them were on the Huffington Post. Most of them were. And I found they were really fun to write. I would write about my husband, my kids, you know, going off to summer camp or college. I'd write about my parents and that fulfilled me. And at the time with Huffington Post, you could get comments on there. They no longer do that. Mm -hmm. And so I could see people relating to my articles and people laughing and saying, oh, I love this or I don't or whatever. And I liked that. You know, that's what I got in television to some extent, even yeah. though you don't, the internet wasn't big, so I didn't get people writing and liking or not liking my shows, which was probably a good thing. <laughs> um, but so I started doing these essays and then I closed my business and I thought, I really want to write something else. And I was going to write a screenplay, 
I started writing a television pilot and little by little, I started going to these conferences where there would be a writer there and be talking about their book, whether it was nonfiction or fiction. And I thought, well, that sounds kind of like fun. And <laughs> I started out thinking I was going to write nonfiction about women at this time of their life, their mm -hmm. aging parents, everything I was going to write nonfiction. And, and then it hit me, why am I writing nonfiction? I write fiction <laughs> and, and I want humor in it. Yeah. Even if there's, I call this humorous with heartbreaking moments, Oh, um, which is life. Way to create your own genre, but such a needed genre because that's, you're so right. And, you know, I am actually writing my first novel right now. Well, I need to stop saying writing because it is well beyond writing. It's written. Oh, it's in, it's in the final editing stage of the book, but, um, and that's going to be actually our topic. So hang on with us, everybody, is how to start writing your novel, but we're getting there. But I'm, I am I chose to write rom-com um, because I wanted there to, I, I like humor. I think we're always laughing. Laughter is the, like you just said, life is heartbreaking, but, but I almost hate being pigeonholed in romance or in rom-com because what I really want is just a good story about friends and life and funny things and sad things and this romance that happens, you know, but it's hard to, so that's, I've been thinking a lot about that too, about how, so I'm glad you've created a new genre for us. That I wish it was a new genre. Everybody wants to <laughs> well, we're just gonna, you. We're just going to make it. Like you just said, they want to say, this is romantic. Mm -hmm. This is, you know, a comedy. And my novel, After Happily Ever After, is everything. It's yes. it's not a romance in any way, shape, or form. Right. It's reality. Right. Um, which, so there's a lot of humor, but there are, you know, in life, we all have horrible things that happen. Yeah. And once we pick ourselves up, we have to try to laugh about certain things. Amen. I love it. Okay. So... I really want to get into the meat of how to start writing a novel because I know that, you know what, I need this information, which is really funny. I just told you I just finished writing my first novel, but I did everything wrong. I did everything wrong. Like I had, I, I was a pantser because I don't know how to be organized on things like that. But what I found is that I have to be organized because it took me forever because I didn't know where the story was going and it just kept changing and bringing people in and all that. And then it was just, whoa, you talk about a bad first draft. It's hard to write a good first draft when you don't know what you're getting to with each chapter, right? So I am all ears How, what, on your best advice for, for successfully starting a novel for book two. <laughs> I can absolutely talk about this because I'm like you for the first novel and I'm totally different in the second novel. <laughs> awesome. So in the first novel, I did what you did. I had this story idea. I didn't really know totally where it was going. I was in a workshop where we would bring in pages um, once a month, and then they would be looked at and kind of edited and that kind of thing. And so I was kind of learning. I was learning as I was going. Yeah, and in yeah. television, you always write an outline because it has to be approved right. by the network Absolutely. and the producers. So I don't know why I was like, oh, no, I'm just going to sit down and write. I, I think it was partially being afraid of a blank page. <laughs> so uh -huh. if I just kept going, well, what ended up happening is I got to the middle and you know, the middle is the hardest part. Oh my gosh, you so know the hard. beginning and end. Right. <laughs> so I wrote the middle last. 
and it was terrible and I had to rewrite it. And then I had to rewrite the beginning and the end because the middle that I finally wound up with didn't work for either. <laughs> exactly. Because if you don't know where you're going, then it can go in any direction. And I find sometimes your characters take you in a direction. Yes. Uh -huh. And sometimes they get themselves in a hole and you're like, oh God, that's not where I wanted to go. Okay. Go backwards to here. Mm -hmm. So my husband's a TV writer, producer. Um, so he said, you have to write an outline. You're freaking out in the middle of this thing. You don't know what you're doing now. So sit down and write an outline. So what I did was I had a big board and I wrote all the scenes that I had and I knew were going to happen on post-its. And then I put them all on this board. And then I looked at them and moved them around and tried to figure out, okay, what's the ending? Like, where is this going in the second half? And what do I want to see the arcs of these characters? And what do I want to see happening? That is the only reason I got through the book. And like oh you, gosh. this book took me four and a half years because I was learning as I was going. Mm -hmm. I was figuring it all out and I was making mistakes. Yeah. And I think at the end of the first draft, I took the book to, I have a friend who's a, um, was a TV writer. She's now a novelist. Um, and I have a friend who's a executive of like a network executive, but she's working at a production company and I gave it to them. And I knew that both of them would figure out like where it kind of <laughs> didn't quite come over to where it was supposed to be. And they gave me fantastic notes. Mm -hmm. And so then I went back and rewrote off their notes. And that's when I kind of felt like, okay, that's a draft that I can now work with. Like you were saying, the bad first draft. Right. So I did all of that. The second book took me almost a year, but I started with an outline with a developmental editor who mm -hmm. I met with once a month and mm -hmm. talked to, and then, you know, through the outline and figured out where it was going and then wrote, and she looked at it as it went along. And it's still been rewritten massively. The editors yeah. at the publishing house also had notes, of course. And so it's taken different turns too. Yeah. I'm so glad that you said that because um, I think, well, here's what I see. This is what I see from working with a lot of first time on and young young, not necessarily in age, but young and experienced authors. And please, anyone listening, if this describes you, please do not take offense to it um, because it's where I found myself too. And that is, we think, we think that we are going to just sit down and write this book and that it's going to come out fairly well. And then we're going to get some advice from beta readers, and then we're going to send it through editing, and then we're going to make those revisions and we're going to publish our book. And what actually happens is it's all over the place, all kinds of crazy. The first draft is nowhere near where it needs to be. You think you're going to publish six months after you finish your first draft, and it's actually two years because editing and revisions and editing and revisions until you couldn't stand the book anymore came along. But where my point is, is that when we talk about different types of editors, like a lot of people don't even consider looking for their developmental editor until they've already written that first draft. And um, I had, I worked with a writing coach through my first draft for accountability more than anything else, mm -hmm. because every Friday I needed to get a chapter to her. And that is the only way that I finished the horrible draft. But then I started working with my developmental editor and we went back through and like really worked the book together. And I thought to myself, man, this could have been a lot easier had we started earlier in the process. So she could have helped me 
you know, kind of brainstorm some of the exactly. things that were going. That's exactly. Me too. I worked with them just to get um, accountability for the first one more than anything. And the second one, you realize afterwards, like a developmental editor makes everything so much easier because they're seeing what's going on even because sometimes you're so into it, you don't always see it when you're, you know, you're going through it and they see it very quickly. So they can say, this is going off in the wrong direction. Or what about this? Oh, you know, you've talked about this, but you didn't go into this detail or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and then, so, so you said the second book, is it done already? Or are you still, I, I second book is done. It's, nice. it's with the editors at the publishing house okay. and we've gone back and forth. So I think I just sent in edits and I think it's going to be the last edit, but I, you know, you never know for sure. You never know. And that's and they the don't give thing. you a date for publication. And like you said, it's 18 months and it depends on, you know, when the book comes in and what yeah. the editing process is, everything. Yeah. So your first book you published with, um, after, uh, with, uh, she writes press, right? I did. Yeah. And are you going with the same publisher or a different one this time? No, my second publisher is touchpoint press, which is okay. a small traditional. Very cool. So that's also the neat thing that sometimes people worry, like if they indie publish or hybrid publish their first time, um, you know, will they be able to traditionally publish and you went that route. So, okay, back. Sorry, I digress. There's so many things we could talk about here. So uh, um, beyond bringing in the developmental editor and having a uh, more of an outline, let's take it one step back. And how did you plot your book? And, and what I mean by that more so more to clarify a little bit more is what are some tools or resources maybe that helped you figure out because, you know, you have, you have to follow tropes or themes or story arcs or all of those things. Like with those, those are out there. Like, was there anything that helped you the second time around kind of plan that book out better? I think having the knowledge of how, you know, a, an outline for a book is so different in so many ways from an outline for a script, because especially a 22 minute show, because you start here, you go here and you go here. I mean, yeah. if it's not, even if it's episodic, I mean, you kind of know where you're going and it's, you also have tons of people there. Mm-hmm. Everybody above you is like, oh no, here's the story. And then you go work it out and then they work with you. And there's always so many people to help. And as you know, writing a novel is very solitary. It's all on you. Now I'm lucky because I have a husband who's really, really good writer. And so I can go to him also and we'll just have conversations about working story ideas out where I'll say, well, I have this story idea and he'll listen to me and we'll pitch off each other, which Mm -hmm. we always did in television too. But that's nice to have that. So helpful. Now he's never written a novel. But he totally gets story because, yeah. he's, you know, he's created shows, he's run shows. So he really gets story and he understands arc better than anybody I know. So he'll say, well, what is each scene building to? Mm-hmm. You know, you can't just have a scene where you, you think it's fun and funny and they're just doing stuff. It's supposed to make some kind of point in every right. scene. And even if it's a small point, you're sort of going towards the pinnacle to come down the other end. Right. So that was just the outline itself was really helpful. The developmental editor was really helpful. Talking to a lot of authors was really helpful. Yes. And, you know, they say you can do a, I'm not going to use the word because it's a curse word, but you can do a really bad first draft. The crappy first draft. Yes, exactly. Okay. You can do a really crappy first draft. And a lot of times you'll go back and you'll look at that crappy first draft and you'll be like, oh, it's not as bad as I thought. 
Like you'll be like, okay, maybe the story. Oh, I don't know, Leslie. <laughs> My first draft's pretty bad. <laughs> I went back and looked at the first chapter the other day, and I was like, good grief! It looks like a fifth grader wrote this. Oh, I do not believe that. <laughs> I mean, we all. I mean, I have imposter syndrome all the time. And I think, oh my God, you know, I wrote a book and it, it won awards and I'll still be like, oh, it must be horrible. Like, I, I don't know why I we, do that. We do it. We, I think, I think creatives, not just writers. Cause I would, I don't know if singer songwriters are the same way, but I think creatives in general, like we are so hard on ourselves, but you know, it, it, it really, what's embarrassing to me. So I'm, I'm a nonfiction writer by train I mean by training like that was I wrote um I wrote uh, very very uh what's the word I'm looking for uh technical I was a technical uh -huh. writer for professionally before I came into all this publishing and all of that and I am a very matter of fact just tell it like it is just talk you know like and then I did this and then she went here and she stood over there and then this happened and then the mom came into the room and, you know whatever and and so that was that's hard to look at it now. Once I've now listened to and read tons and tons of other books in the in the genre and realized like how you actually show, not tell, how it's that she just biggest thing, showing so hard. Telling. And I know Jen was on your show and she talked about that too. Yes. But that's the thing. I because in television, there's an actor there. Right. And, and you've got props and a scene. And yeah, yes. you just said it. You're like, oh, they're walking the house. And you, you know, you do a little stage directions, but you're not doing that. They're showing because they're right. acting it out. And I really found that was really hard. So what I started so to do was I started to act out and read everything out loud. Uh -huh. And I would put myself in that character's position. And I would say, you know, whatever the dialogue was that I was reading, I would try to get in touch with my own feelings about it. So that way I could say like, I might go, oh my gosh, you know, like, and I've tried to imagine myself acting those things out and that helped a lot. Yeah. Um, there's also the emotional thesaurus. Have you ever heard of that? Yes. In fact, I bought it. I bought yeah. it. I have it. I've been reading yep. through it. I have that book. It out. But it will only get you so far though, because, yes. you know, like lust, mine is a romance, it's closed door romance, but still I was like, okay, there's only so many ways that I can say yes. my face flushed or my body yes. heated up or, you yes. know, I don't want to get too graphic with it because it's closed door, but you know, and I'm like, and then oh you gosh. go back and read it and you're like, oh my God, I wrote the same thing. Her heart beat fast. Her heart beat fast. <laughs> right. like, look at all of them and go, oh my God, like, I've done that how many times? <laughs> exactly. So, but yes, this has been a very, a very useful, um, I'm actually holding it up because it was sitting right next to me, but a very useful tool. I'm um, trying to just think about different ways to phrase things. And it's funny because I actually just recently started doing what you just described and that has helped as well. I, I actually like like walked through my house, acting out kind of what would be happening in the scene, walking through the room, like what would I notice? How would I, how would I stand? How would I, you know, those types of yep. things. And, and that helps too. But I tell you what, it's really hard to write descriptively about people. Like I do, I like to do this movement, which you can't see me um, yeah. if you're listening, but like your hands <laughs> up and like the, uh -huh. what, what, the, what the heck? Like? She threw her hands in the air. Yeah. And it's, it's, and then hard, dropping but... down quickly or whatever. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, yeah. It's really hard. And I also found that if you read your book out loud, you also find the typos. Yes, you because do. Otherwise you will just kind of, you know what the word's supposed to say. And sometimes, you know, like there or lots of words that you'll just miss. 
Yes, exactly. Um, um, and so you mentioned going to your writing critique sessions, and I've been um, not going as often as I would like to, but I really do try to get down to because it's so that I think is fundamentally just a key element for new writers is is going and, and listening to other people read their writing and hearing what other often more seasoned writers have, but also getting that feedback on your own book and reading it aloud. And I just read for the first time in over a year, and it was the first time I actually read one of my fiction pieces. And at the end of it, one of the guys in our group was like, so do you feel like an idiot now? <laughs> and he's this, this is, you have to understand his personality. And I was like, why? Yes, I do. And he was like, so we, so do we all, that's how we all feel when we read it out loud and we're like, oh crap, I missed that. Or, oh my gosh, or this is awkward or whatever. He's like, you are now part of the, of the group or whatever, you know, <laughs> it's so true. That's um, okay. So I think that's, uh, those are really, I think those are really important ideas and also like just, uh, references. I don't going to those, going to those opportunities to learn taking courses. I think you mentioned you were in a workshop where you were working on your craft. Right. Any and other? I, I didn't take classes like to learn how to write. Cause I kind mm -hmm. of felt like I was there. Right. You were already a writer. <laughs> essays, Cause the essays that I wrote were all first person, you know, me talking and tried mm -hmm. to be humorous. I hope they are. Um, and so when I got to this first book, I did it in first person. Uh -huh. So it's obviously not an essay, but it's that kind of, it felt like a real good flow into yeah. that where this woman is talking and describing things and what's going on with her. And so I felt like that kind of worked really well going into that. Four Days in Paris, which is my book, it's also in first person. And um, I found that to be really difficult because Did now you? you're in charge of, of I mean, I, I liked it from telling everything from her perspective. I found the difficult part being to bring forth the other characters in a way that they really felt like they were part of the book because it's yeah. all from one person's perspective. Well, that was the one thing I did learn was everything that happens off screen, so to speak, you have to find a way for your audience to know what's going on. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what I ended up doing is I had two male characters. One was this woman's husband and one was her father who's going through all these medical things. And I really wanted the reader to understand what her husband's going through because they have this great marriage, but there's something happening there. And mm -hmm. I wanted the reader to know because I didn't want the reader to go, oh, he's having an affair or whatever. And because he, he wasn't. But I wanted the reader to see that they're both going through something and they're just not communicating. So I did a few chapters from his point of view. Mm -hmm. And then I also wanted the reader to see what the father's going through as he's feeling scared and going through all this stuff. And we don't just see it from my main character, Maggie's point of view. Right. We also see it from the father's point of view of him uh -huh. getting older and going through this stuff so he can talk about his fears and what's happening. So I did do that. And I felt like it was really helpful because I didn't want the reader to just like get everything from Maggie's point of view. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's certainly challenging to do everything from that. And, and you do have to work in ways that you'll, um, and what I've done and I've done conversations that somebody will say something or do something, or even like, 
you just, the reader finds out when Callie finds out on some of the stuff or because right. there's, you know, but I am thinking, so this is a series. I think in the second book um, where it's going to be about two of the other characters in the book, I think I'm going to do alternating POVs or at least include his point of view occasionally because it, it just yeah. like it gets. With well, the, I did that you know. in my second book. Oh yeah. Two women. It's about two women. And I went back and forth between each woman until they meet, they don't know each other. And even when they meet, it's still from one of their perspectives. And it says at the top, you know, chapter, whatever, Katie or chapter, whatever, Rachel. So uh -huh. everybody knows whose perspective it is because, and, but you know what I found first person easier. So do you write it from their perspective first person or are no. you now writing third person? Third oh, okay. Person yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I love, I think I'm going to continue writing first person, but, I but do that. yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. That's good. Okay. I'm glad we had this conversation to mm -hmm. validate the, to validate book two for me. <laughs> I think me. it's a great idea. I would have done it like that. I think and if we did it again. It's kind of the trend right now. Most of the books that I am reading are from multiple point of views and even if I'm um, one of my favorite authors Emma St. Clair she did one um that it almost the first whole like half of the book was only from the female perspective and then come the second half um she started adding in a few chapters here and there to get the male perspective which I thought was really good too because that kind of keeps you if you want to have that first person main character but then it's like, okay, at some point in time, we have to understand what's going on with this guy. Right. You know, and you know, with him. writing, things change all the time. I mean, like perspective, I mean, like whether or not you can do this or do right. that. When I wrote this first book, I wanted to do this, these other perspectives. perspectives. And um, at the time, my writing coach said, oh, you can't do that. No, 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 no. <laughs> you can't do that. They, people don't do that. Right. Like, I did it anyway. But now yeah. it's like, all and over now everybody's doing it. <laughs> And, and by the time the book came out, it wasn't that weird. Like people were like, oh, this works great, you know, uh -huh. but you don't know. Yeah, no, that's so true. And who knows, by the time my second book comes out, maybe it'll have gone back to that. I don't think that that will go <laughs> I away. So. I think it's, um, yeah. it's, I think people now have gotten used to the being able to see into more than one person's head. And I think they kind of like it. So I think they do like it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so before we wrap this up, then I would really love to hear um, uh, anything that you have always marketing, always marketing is the big thing. We always want to get advice from people on what people are doing that's working or not working. So what I, has been working? I, first of all, I have to say, I love the writing. I don't like the marketing. I don't <laughs> think it's fun. I'm the opposite. It's exhausting. And it's expensive. <laughs> it is. It is. It, it, yeah. it is. And that's something that I think people need to hear and and understand that there is you have to invest money in marketing you have to because there's billions of books out there and if you don't nobody's going to know your book is there it doesn't mean it's not fantastic but they won't even know it exists so right. you have to market and you have to do you know some kind of pr or whatever um i would say first of all join facebook groups for writing or if you have a specific genre because these people talk all the time and you can ask any question they will answer it, or you can search on their Facebook page and get the answer to questions mm -hmm. that if you're new to writing, there's so many things I had no clue. And I've learned so much before my second book. So I would say that's really important. And to find your community because mm -hmm. authors, when I was in television, it was pretty cutthroat, I have to say. It was not this, you know, oh, everybody, I want everybody to do well. The authors I've met, and I've met a lot, are incredibly generous. 
-hmm. and they will help you and they will promote you. And if you're on a podcast, they'll put it out there and share it with their people. Um, So I would say start following authors on Instagram, Facebook, wherever um, you're on and really pay attention to what they're saying and comment. So Mm -hmm. they start to see your name because I got good blurbs for my first book, but my second book, I got a lot of really great blurbs from authors that I had just been talking to during my first book. Yeah. And so that's a really great way to get blurbs too, is you're not, if you come out of nowhere, they're going to be like, I don't know you. I don't have any relationship with you. But if you're talking to them and, you know, enjoying the writing and just sharing their stuff, you read their book, you share it. They see all that and they will be generous in return. I couldn't agree more. And I really hope that people would consider the Women in Publishing Summit as a great place to find their community. Although I do, um, and we do when our in our groups and our trainings and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's a that's a big focus is making those connections with authors, finding the group of people that you can um and we had one author actually who who said that um she she did really well with her with her first book. It sold two thousand copies in the first hundred days, which I thought was really great for an indie yeah. author, yeah. and um, really great for lots of authors actually. And um, she attributed that largely to the fact that in one of our sessions, she'd heard us say, "Find friends in the same genre, join those folks," and they started doing cross blogging and cross newsletter opportunities. And she really attributes a lot of her sales to come from all those newsletter swaps and all of that cross promo with that author in those authors in her genre. That's the key. Like it has to have it has to be people with similar audiences. I mean, it's great to get support from all authors anytime, but. Right. It really helps you when it's from other other of the same genre exactly and I'd also say like if you're looking for a publisher I didn't know this the first time there are so many small publishers out there that are traditional that will mm-hmm. accept your manuscript some mm-hmm. of them have like one month you have to send it between December and January or you're done for the year but some of them a lot of them will accept and read it and I didn't know that yeah. I didn't know that there were, and you have to look them up under writers beware, look right. up their reviews yes. Yes, and yes. see, and then follow people who are with that publisher and contact them. And they will say, tell you and say, look, if I DM you, will you tell me the truth about your publisher? Because some people are happy and some people aren't. And so you can call them and you contact them and have them tell you ins and outs of that publisher or whatever it is. So, you know, is that the right publisher for me and why? Mm-hmm. And I think that was really helpful to do yeah. that. Yeah, that's great. Now you are going with a smaller publisher. How much of the marketing will they be doing on your behalf? I'm going to be really honest. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I have been told that they have a marketing department. I've also been told by other authors that they really don't do much. Yeah, so, I think that's, pretty, that's standard. pretty normal. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty standard. Um, and that's one of the biggest things that 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 I think a lot of people have as a misconception that if they get a traditional publisher, that means they don't have to worry about the marketing. Uh, the, the benefit is that they have inroads, hopefully that can help you, but you still gotta you still gotta do the marketing. You still Luckily, have to do 90% of it, honestly. Yeah. And you're, I mean, you've already started that author platform with your other book and and just who you are. So that's that'll be helpful for you. Now, what's the second book about? The second book is about two women who don't know each other. They're from totally different backgrounds. Um, one is Jewish and married. One is Catholic and single. 
And it's about the story about the two of them meeting for the first time in a support group oh. when they find out, well, they already know they're pregnant. They're about almost five months pregnant and they both find out from their doctors and from ultrasounds that there's something very wrong with their baby. Mm. So they meet in the support group and they go through this journey together. Oh, wow. And they both balance each other out. There's also a love story. There's, it's, again, there's humor in it. Yeah. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, but people who've read it said, oh, wow, there's only like a few scenes where it's really down. But other than that, there's a lot of humor in the dialogue. Yeah. Um, and so these two women, you know, kind of figure it out and they find family. They, there's a whole bunch of themes. There's loss, there's miscarriage, there's infertility. Oh. There's a love story, like I said. So there's a lot of different things in it. That's life. Sadly, yes. I know that route um, all too well with the loss of our infant daughter. That sounds like a good book. Yeah. Um, and you know what? So after we lost our daughter, we I went into more nonfiction, grief and loss, all that type of writing. But what I love about fiction is that it allows us to take these really difficult topics and to bring them into people's worlds uh, uh, you know, in a way that makes them think about things and feel things that doesn't feel as like, this is us did that. The, the yeah, series. that's a great show. I love that show. Yeah. I, so, you know, when I wrote this, I had no idea that the Supreme Court was going to, you know, turn uh, over Roe versus Wade. Yeah. So that happened like after I finished the draft of it. Yeah. Which was just like, oh my God. <laughs> so very timely. Yes. Wow. Well, it sounds amazing. I can't wait to check it out. You'll have to let Thank me know you. when it's ready. Um, and, and we'll share with our community too. Well, right. this has been a phenomenal conversation. We've covered a lot of ground and um, I, I appreciate your time. Is there anything else that you would like to share before we wrap this up? Um, well, if people want to follow me or know more about me, I have a website that's lesliearasmussen.com. They can follow me on Instagram at Leslie R. Author or on Facebook at Leslie A. Rasmussen Author. Um, and if I, I go to book clubs all the time, if anybody has a book club and their book clubs read the book, I will go or zoom in. I'm in Los Angeles, so it just depends on where it is. Right. But I do that all the time. And that's really fun. I love talking to readers. I'm looking you up on Instagram right now. <laughs> um, but let me tell you that all of the all of this content will be in the show notes. So if you were driving or doing something and can't get this stuff, followed you, um, followed you by my pen name, which is Lexi Haddock. So that's that's okay. me when you Thank see you. that. Um, <laughs> yes. And so yes, all of this will be in the show notes. I can't, I can't, I can't Instagram and talk at the same time. <laughs> Put down your phone. Um, but I, I love this conversation. Absolutely loved it. And thank you for your time. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun. All right. Have a good one. Thank you for joining us on the Publisher Podcast. We hope to see you back for the next episode. Great, huge thanks goes to Jasmine Commerce for the use of her song. You can find Jasmine on SoundCloud. Go check out all of her music. We'll see you next time.